Are we right. on? Oh, hello. <laughs> Wait till it says recording, dork. <laughs> start talking before I even tell you it's recording. That's funny. Hello. Welcome to Goth and Bougie Podcast. The shit show. I'm dragging ass today. I'm so mm. tired. And uh, I'm got a here. little bit of a headache. I'm glad it's your story. Nihoi <laughs> ma. I asked you already. How are you in Chinese? How are you? Well, how do you say good? Thanks. I don't know. <laughs> and what if they said to you so, in Mandarin, good, thanks? What would you say? You just look and I'd say yes. means yes. There's a lady called Wendy teaches Chinese. She's Chinese, obviously. Hi, I Wendy. I teach Chinese for free. Join me at 8 o'clock Chinese time, China time, to teach you Chinese. Imitating a bad English accent is incredibly racist. <laughs> I'm imitating my daughter's race. Thank you very much, because they are part Chinese. So, oh, gosh. All no, right. so cool. she teaches China Chinese, Chinese. So I've been. That's pretty we cool. Have, we have all patients that learn it's Mandarin. YouTube? No, it's on TikTok. Oh, cool. Yeah, she goes live on TikTok every day at 8 o'clock a.m. China TikTok, time. Man. Now, see, this is why I never wanted to be on TikTok. It, it is a rabbit hole. Yes. You'll be on, you know, all of a sudden, you're like, how did I get here? Oh, my God. The Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> one where he goes to the fridge. I could not stop laughing. And I know people were like, she's fucking crazy. It's so funny. <laughs> so many boys in here. Where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about and you haven't seen it he's walking to he's like something about Jeffrey Dahmer's refrigerator and so he's like walking to the fridge and he opens the fridge and the song comes on so many boys in here where do I begin and I busted out laughing and I couldn't stop laughing because it was so that one where the, the the girl's like okay guys my mom my mom is dead so pretend to be my mom for a second and she's like trying to share good news and then the person duetting her always collapses like they're dead guys okay my mom died but i really want to talk to someone so y'all pretend to be my mom for a second oh my <laughs> god falls over it's dead like, so it's horrible fucking funny but it's our humor like that's just yes. our humor and i just can't help but laugh i at feel bad shit. every time i laugh i feel like you know i i snipped an angel wing of somebody or oh angels my god. cry every time we laugh <laughs> Um, I just have to say happy birthday to Denzel and he listens yes. to us oh, and dude, it's his birthday and hey. um, so happy birthday Denzel We're Facebook friends and stuff you support our show and we appreciate you and thank you so much yes. so um, I guess let me tell you about my week first yeah. I guess I'll go um, I went to John Wait, Mayer's what episode that- is this we're on episode 119 I'm gonna talk about a serial killer today yeah. so hopefully it's one we haven't talked about it and ask you um it doesn't sound familiar so I'm like it'll be fine it's fine I'm fine um well I got the fiasco of the airline tickets taken care of today so that was fun I'm like what the hell I cannot fly out on on Thursday morning I have to work anyways Americans switch my flight on when I'm coming to see Bell from nighttime to morning time and are you uh, sure you didn't just book the wrong flight it's possible it it said you thought it said p.m and it said a.m it's possible. <laughs> I switched them so and they didn't charge me anything. That's so, good. That's good. um, what else happened? That I got that all fixed. Um, I work all the time. I'm dating. 
not anyone specific. Good. Yeah. Just uh, that's it. Um, went to Lava Cantina in the colony, and um, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, Have you not been there before? I'd never been there before. And um, we yeah. went and saw, I went on a date there, and we went and saw the it's an old band it's old band but it was a cover band for the almond brothers yeah cool yeah, yeah. but it was like Probably, great 60, it's 70s not very far rock. from where robert and i lived you went to the one over there that's the one yeah, yeah. Know, our old apartment right yeah yeah yes, and we, yes. we went there several times for like a couple of bands it, was, it, it took us like fun. i mean it took me like 30 minutes to get there it wasn't bad um Fun atmosphere but cody was our bartender so she was pretty cool and then max at dick's last resort is listening so thank you guys for listening this is my last resort yes and so my hat at dick's last resort i went there before john mayer had said um used to be addicted to sugardaddy.com but not anymore <laughs> <laughs> Like really uh, accurate no <laughs> so yeah that's pretty much it um leave tomorrow after work to drive to san marcus for the weekend to go see caitlin and um, and i haven't seen her since uh my mom retired so i haven't seen her since christmas so wow yeah so i'm like very anxious to go and see her i miss her so much i miss her terribly so mm. i'm excited to go see her this weekend uh, my mom david and i are going to leave immediately after get off work tomorrow and um just hang out with her on the weekend and then sunday we have a mother's day brunch that they're doing so um really our tea they, party thing yeah like sorority. i said it's cool that they're doing it not on mother's day so that y'all can have mother's day to actually not have to go or do anything that's yes Yeah. Yes. So, um, but that's pretty much how my life has been. I don't know. It's pretty low key. Um, Charlie's at my mom's. I have Hallie laying here next to me. Amy's dog is Hallie's out with a friend. So hi, sweet girl. (laughs) She's like looking at me. You said my name, Um, but that's pretty much it. I'm just fucking ready to take, I need a break. Like I'm so fucking ready to come see you. The weather when you come is pretty good. It's beautiful today. I mean, breezy, the temperature I think it's a little bit warmer, but it's nice and breezy and low humidity. So, you know, that's, that makes it, it's much better. Yeah, well, I'm bringing, nice. I'm bringing dresses and shorts. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's not going to be cold, so. Right. No, no. Yeah. Um, are we going to see who we're planning to go see? You said something about going to see somebody when I'm there smashing. I, did. I haven't checked the price of them tickets. That's the only thing I need to, I need to go do that because it sounded like fun, but I meant to click through and see how much tickets were. Um, I need to check the price and tickets. I mean, okay. Songs are not like crazy. Yeah. So that'd be fun. Um be fun. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's all. I'm just ready for a fucking break. I'm tired. I'm tired because I work all the time and I need a fucking mm. break. Yeah. <laughs> I just need a break from yeah, life. I've been busy this week. I mean, work has slowed down considerably to what it was a month ago, but it's I'm trying to like raise my hand more for projects and stuff because I'm really trying to you know show my worth even though I've got my transfer in I'm still like now I'm ready to like move, the new girl. move forward yeah you know I'm, I'm ready to because last year it was such a rough year and I didn't know if I was gonna be able to keep my job I just I didn't do I hate to say I didn't do much I did not do more than what was asked of me right right you know what I'm saying right which is not typically like my work ethic I typically you know go mm-hmm. above and beyond and you know we got to be the best at everything so having got my transfer settled and, um, you know, getting through the last year, it's not as bad as it was then, you know, I'm like, okay, I think I can take on a little bit more at work. So I'm, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, I'm excited about it. I love my job. It's a fun job. 
Yeah. Fun as much as fun can be because, you know, I work with training and the, the fun thing about my, the training that we work in is though it's not like teaching people like Excel or anything. It's, it's like leadership strengths and executive presence. It's like yeah. it's fun talk, diversity, you know, equity and inclusion. That's like a big one for us. So yeah, it's pretty neat. I like it. That's it's, awesome. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it no, can no. be any long I, days too. I just look at people's skin cancer and <laughs> that is awesome and cysts that and fun. all kinds of shit <laughs> i'm always watching the pimple shit robert no. looks over and sees that I'm, I'm i'm watching this stuff and he like he's like what the hell are you How watching you like, watch that shit dr pimple popper yes oh i love and there's no as soon as she like, cuts into stuff i'm like that's lipoma yes. that's a cyst and they're like what the hell i'm like this is what i do mm-hmm. every day at I work or a whiner Yes. I mean, like, this is what I do all the time. So it's like, I only know it my life. I watch all the time. I don't That's my life. Job, That's my life is, Dr. is awesome. every day. <laughs> That's um, we're moving to a new office. I love, I mean, I love our patients. We have some really great patients, but we're moving to a new office about five minutes up the road. When I'm apparently the moving the weekend that I'm going to be with you. And I'm like, sorry, not sorry. It's my birthday weekend. I am not fucking moving to a new office. Right. That weekend. No. Um, yeah. So no. Oh, you know what? I know why I didn't buy the tickets yet because there's a couple other things going on that weekend that I wanted to see if would we rather do something like that. There's one thing at um, the Vampire Cafe. It's a magic show with dinner, and then I think it has an after party at Potions. Let's check. Is Robert gonna have on his white gloves? Magic, magic, magic. Um. And there might be like a burlesque show or something. So I was going to see what other Ooh, things going on that weekend, but you're only here for that love. weekend. Yeah, but you're only here for that weekend. So like, I, we can't do like a big event every night. So like we go to a burlesque oh, show. No, you just know, we, one. We would probably just do that and not do Smashing Pumpkins. I That's mean, fine. Smashing Pumpkins is like awesome. It's a band we would want to see. But really all in all, it's a fun night, but it's not the kind of night that like we're- we It's not like, our kind of- Yeah, night. yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of burlesque, so next Saturday, not this Saturday, but a week from this Saturday, Mother's Day weekend, the seventh, I'm hoping I'm going to the burlesque show, Star Wars burlesque show and Viv is in it. Why are you saying hoping? Why have you not? Because it's, um, I'll tell you off air. (laughs) Somebody said they may take you. Yes. Fuck that shit. Buy your own ticket. Tell them if they want to go, they can buy their ticket and meet you there. (laughs) And, and if that I, I'm saving looks, my money for New Orleans. Bitch. Oh, you're hoping that person will buy the ticket? He's oh, going to. Yes, they're going. To, they are going to. Whoops, I said he. I mean, they are going to. <laughs> Do they go by they? No. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you're straight, so I don't think you would be saying is she. Well, I think you're straight. You've been straight. No. Well, it's Amy. Years. It's still up in the air because it's Amy's birthday weekend, and it's a, mm. it's her fiftieth. So, um, awesome. Yeah. Good so we her. may be doing stuff that weekend, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. So your work's just gotten busy. <sighs> Better. Let's see. I have wrote some stuff down. Well, you know, in in a nutshell, um, my husband collapsed and lost consciousness oh, yes. twice at the Irish Cultural Museum inexplicably, inexplicably with no reason or 
no idea why still don't know what happened I'm sitting at dinner and I get this text from Belle this is what she just said and I'm like oh shit like what the hell yeah so you know of course then am I I'm like panicking we weren't gonna say anything to anyone at first because we thought you know it's just maybe something weird happened just pass out once but then when they were taking him to the hospital and he he passed out again like just sitting there doing nothing he was talking like actually speaking like I am and then just over slumped over and lost consciousness again they're like oh my god you know they whisked him into the back of the ambulance had no idea what was going on I was like oh my god it scared the shit out of me it was very very scary yeah um it's scary when people pass out in front of you and you don't know what's wrong with them that's why Caitlin's going through what she's going through with all the seizure stuff because she's done it in front of me I mean likely he didn't he didn't fall he was we were sitting at the tables and he was he just said he started feeling bad and I said well put your head down and I went to get him some water and I came back and his head was like, not all the way down. He's just kind of like this. And he was like making this weird sound. And I was like, babe. And he's like, he's just, uh, like and then, and then he just slumped over at the table. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was like, you know, jostling him and he wouldn't move and not, not making a move, like no breathing or nothing. So I lifted him back because, you know, the wall is right there. And when I lifted him back, Mel, I watched the color drain out of his face and his lips yeah. turned blue. And for that split second, he was not breathing. So I was like, started slapping him like really hard. I'm surprised. Like a baby. <laughs> More than a baby. Like, uh. I'm like, bam, bam. I'm trying to surprise his face at hurting the next day. <laughs> I was hitting him hard. I was screaming at him, shaking his, you know, shoulders. In the head. I was I screaming at this lady to, you know, call on one and. Uh, there were some other people in courtyard and I, was, I screamed at them, you know, can y'all help me get him laid down flat because he was sitting there you know, and he's, he's a big guy. And I was like, yeah. afraid if I try to get him, I try to move him and it was hard to move him. I'm like, if I'm going to drop him. So like, they helped me get him flat. He was out for about two minutes until the yeah. ambulance got there. And it seems he, longer than that when it happens. Oh, two minutes is a long time, actually. It is. Yeah, no, it I absolutely mean, is. But it, it always feels like it's longer than that whenever yeah, it's going yeah. on. Yeah. Well, and you know, when they the person called 911, it, they didn't answer at first. I'm like, what? New Orleans, fucking New Orleans. Oh, I've heard, I've, before I moved here, we heard that the 911 is spotty. That it's, <laughs> yeah, but I just thought, hopefully, <laughs> if we have to call 911, whatever's going on. Yeah, so like, they didn't answer. Yeah, they had to keep calling. So I, I lied to my child when she tried to call in second grade to see if 911 was open all the time. They really aren't because they didn't answer New Orleans. Yeah, they didn't answer. I, you know, it's short staffing. New Orleans police is really understaffed too. There's a lot of, you know, talking about crime. Yeah. That's actually one of the things I was going to talk about because one of them, well, let me get back to the ended up Robert we did go to the hospital they weren't able to figure out what happened conclusively still trying to figure out gonna follow up with the VA and stuff like that but it was just really really scary and yeah I was like oh my god I was all I could think is he better not fucking die on me right now yeah so anyway but um so yeah so oh, I would have already been there with you if that had happened you know that you know, right that's the first time since moving here that I felt alone like separated from you know because we are big family people and I've always been close to my family we always you know people yeah. are like oh your family's so close and to not have anyone be able to leave right away and come there my sister and I were talking and we were both crying because it's like we just ate and she couldn't do that either you know because I called and told her and she could not leave right away 
and, and come be with me and come help or whatever needed to be. It was, it was, that's the first time since moving here, I felt the distance. Like, I mean, I felt it before like missing them and, you know, it's not that easy just to drive and go have dinner, but like really, you know, yeah. stabbed me in the heart, felt the distance. Um, but I don't, I still don't regret moving here. It just, I felt pretty, really alone. Right. I actually had texted the nurse because she had given me her phone number. I had texted the nurse who was inside and asked her to come out to the curb with me because I was standing outside alone and they whisked him into the back of the ambulance. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Right. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. And this man was getting into a truck um, on the curb and he looked at me and he said, man, I don't know what's going on, but you look like you're going through a lot right now. And I really, really hope you're doing okay. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. I said, there's not what's going on. I said, thank you for, you know, for saying something because he didn't have to, he could have just gotten a yeah. truck and drove off. It was really nice of him. But yeah, but then the nurse lady came back out. And what's funny is I accidentally deleted her number because I was going to text her and let her know everything was okay. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I deleted Oopsies. fucking Apple. Anyway, so going to what I was talking about with the um, crime. So on TikTok, there's this, I follow a creator and I fucking love her and you may follow her too, but her, her name is Mia Moon. Um, if you don't follow her, then go, go find her and follow her. She's fucking awesome. She's amazing. Love her. I love her. Is she in love her. New Orleans? No, she is somewhere else. Okay. She's, she's amazing. Does amazing, amazing makeup. She does, you know, like you do with the, but she does, she does a little bit more because she does like elaborate makeup and costuming and stuff she's one of those oh i'm following her does she have blonde hair yes 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 yeah i'm she's following awesome her. i love her so much so i've been following her for quite some time um but she's also a firefighter so that's her day job as a firefighter she doesn't yes talk i about, have yeah she doesn't talk yeah. about her work so i get it but um my alexa one day i was in the kitchen cooking and it said something and by the way did you know i can tell you a joke and i'm like i've heard that and she said try it now say alexa tell me so i did it i don't want to say it because i don't want to turn mine on in the living room right now but the joke that it told me was what do you call a firefighter who is also an influencer and i was like what and she was a stop drop and roll model <laughs> I thought that was fun. So I, I sent her a message. And so I'm like, oh, I hope she follows me back because you can't message somebody who you don't follow back. Right. So she, she did. I was like, oh, yay. So I sent it to her and I'd never communicated with her. And I said, I'm just your standard lurker. I don't really comment a whole lot, but I love your content. But my Alexa told me this joke and it made me think of you and I wanted to share it. So I told her the joke and she responded because she's got like 60,000. I love it. Yeah, her. I just looked. 64,000 yeah, people. She yeah. responded and was like, oh, that one's good. And she said, she said, you know, it, you made me laugh. And so I'm glad it made you happy. And then right after I put, I sent that to her and she responded, I, she had posted a new post and she said, cause she always goes, what's up my witches? Cause she's a witch yeah, too. Yeah. Like I've, I've learned a lot watching her too. Cause she, she's that type of shares <laughs> her knowledge and shares like things um, mm -hmm. to do with, with witchcraft. Um, but she said, I just found out that next month I'm going to New Orleans. <laughs> I'm fangirling. I was like, she said, I'm going to New Orleans. And she said, I've never been, I always wanted to go. So if any of y'all have any, like, um, Oh, did you send her a list? No, I had not because I'm not that type of person, but I sent a message right back. Cause she had just responded and said, Oh, that's funny. You know, about the joke. And I responded back. I said, I just saw your last post. 
because she's talking about I've got the cutest little you know uh boutique hotel in the part of the French Quarter and I'm sorry so as Cinder Mesha said I live in the French Quarter I said I'm fangirling and dying a minute a little bit right now but I live in the French Quarter um and I'm so excited that you're going to be able to experience it uh you know and live your best witchy life and she's like oh I'm all about that and she's like you know if you have any suggestions let me know I said of course so what I'm going I am going to do I am but I'm going to like type out this like little suggestions like if like if you're wanting to go someplace quiet and chill with little crowd you know give you give my little right. tips and send it to her all at once rather than commenting and just send her like a little guide of what my experience has been living here and the kind of thing so I'm gonna like tell her about potions and stuff like that um but somebody had commented on her thing and she actually had to post a follow-up video in response to this person who kept commenting about how bad the crime is here and the person just would not stop. I mean, just talking about they they live in one of the neighborhoods outside and they wouldn't come to the quarter. And so finally she posted a video in response said, look, I don't know what else to say to you. Everything you've said, I've told you, you know, I'm a grown person. I'm going to my husband. My husband's a cop. You know, I, I'm going into a downtown area. I don't know what else you want me to say to you. You see, just say, I don't know what you want from me. But the crime here has gotten worse. It's, but it's the crime across the country has gotten worse yeah there's there was a shooting in deep ellum the other day That's i mean the way it works with society yeah it gets worse and this is downtown people forget that this is still a downtown area this is considered downtown right here in the warehouse district cbd this is downtown you don't go to new york city and not expect crime not even downtown dallas you're in a downtown metro area there's going to be crime so i had commented and i said there's don't more let, people. There's yes. more stuff that happens. You're not in the country on a farm. I said, don't let what they are saying to you get you down. You are a smart person. I said, I said, be smart, stay safe, be aware of what's around you. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, otherwise, you know, live your best New Orleans life. And she was, she was like, oh, thank you so much. And you know, I was just like, don't let people. If anyone's coming here, you don't have to be paranoid. That's the thing. I lived here a year. I did not feel, I have not felt unsafe in the quarter every time to, I've gone, but I've been be very cautious. Yeah. Yes. You have to not be a target and, and not make, be conspicuous. Don't, don't be stupid. Bill's like, put your phone away, Mel. Put your phone away, Mel. Because, I'm taking pictures. <laughs> because that, well, because that's sells people right away that you're a tourist. Yeah. Or if you're obviously looking at a map as you're walking, you're clearly a tourist. So like stop, step over to the uh, building or something, pretend like you're talking or you're texting and, and check your map and then go from there. Like, don't be walk. I tell my kids that shit too. Don't be walking with the phone in your hand. Keep your head up, look around, be aware. And there are some streets like I would not go down without Robert on my own. Stay in them. Actually, bourbon is not that bad because it's very, very crowded. Just don't, you know, have your shit easily be able to right. pickpocket it. Um, but I'm like, I haven't had, I mean, we've had like just the other day, a three-year-old was shot right around the corner from three-legged dog. Mm. Her teenager brothers or somebody was in the house that they were playing with a gun and shot her. Well, they were playing um, with the gun. I mean, yes. I mean, there's things that are happening and, but come the on. first rule it's, when it's you have count. a gun is don't play with the fucking gun and don't touch it. That's I mean, the it's all these naysayers. Everybody gotta, gotta spit on somebody else's sunshine. Get the fuck, have, live your own life, people. Um, so yeah, I would not tell anyone not to come because, because it's, it's downtown. Be smart. I can't wait for you to come. I'll walk out by myself. I'm, I'm yeah. not worried. Yeah. 
I, I'm excited. I'm telling you, I just need a break. I'm ready to get out and just to get away from here for a few days. That's all I need is just a break. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for my cruise too. And I, I told you, I had when to does that get, leave. We leave on uh, Sunday, June 4th. I'm from Miami. I think it's the 4th. June 4th? I don't know. I just know I'm going. <laughs> That's we leave crazy. June 5th and we fly back home on the 11th. So um, my mom's nice. like, do you want the internet package? I'm like, no, if there's free yeah. internet, I'll use it. But I just want a break. There's not um, free internet though. No, I know. No, no. Some of the places we stop at, you can get free. Oh internet. yeah. Yeah. Like Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. Like free Wi-Fi. So I'm just, I'm good not having it. Like I'm good. When I get back, I'll and post where are the places? Where are the ports you're stopping? We the first one is Bahamas, which is their private island, which is um, the Royal Caribbean's private island, and mm-hmm. the Bahamas. And then we're going to um, Haiti and Jamaica. Nice. So my nephew and Caitlin have already. It's just me, Caitlin, Cam, my nephew Cameron, and my mom. Um, the kids have already been on this um, itinerary before, so I've never been to Jamaica. I've never been to Haiti. Uh, the no, pictures on either. I'm excited for the you. pictures for Haiti were beautiful, but it's I'm really kind of torn between it because it's a private area for Royal Caribbean, and but it's fenced off. And she and Caitlin said a lot of times when they were there. They were they went to eat and like there were kids and stuff at the fence trying to get food and stuff and that kind of stuff just tears up tugs at my heartstrings yeah and kills me because I just feel like I want to take them all home because I know that I can give them a better life do you know, and it just will bring some some money that you can give them that's what I ask, probably ask her how many kids she would say were there at any no, given time it was full like, like when the they were proud. Because a lot of times the kids, when they, and they, she said the security guards let them give them food. And he, he even said the security guard told them, I remember him saying that the security guard said that a lot of times this is the only like food the kids get during the week is when the cruise ships stop. Well, and so, yeah. And I'm just food. like, There's, you can't change uh, their lives. No, but you can do take I some mean, snacks. <laughs> yeah. Plan for that in your budget. I mean, yeah. like you can even like give candy. They would like candy. You can't completely. It's a horrible, horrible thing. They live in a third world country yeah. and that they don't have the privileges that we have. The thing, the key about it is you have to remember that it is a privilege for us and recognize and know, know our privilege yeah. and try to give back what you can. You can't save the world. You can't change their lives. You can't change their country. So prepare if you want to. But if you don't want to, don't, but you know, to make yeah, it just give them some food. Just, and it may not be that it's way. Like a restaurant they, or like you can like bring food and hand out. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, can you even take this stuff off the ship? Uh, so it's a private island. So like on the private island that they have in the Bahamas, I haven't been here before, so I don't know, but they provide all the food and stuff for you. Like if you're on the cruise ship, cause they okay. own this okay. island. So there's only Royal Caribbean people there. So can you go over to the buffet and then take it? that's what Caitlin said they did last time so so I'm thinking that because I don't eat very much so you know I'd give what I want I would have pocket pastries and I would have egg rolls and I would (laughs) I would be like shoving all my shit so I could take it over to the kids like and then Jamaica um the kids want to go cliff jumping which is fine but Mel's not sure how she's because they've done it before there but I'm scared because I don't get in the fucking ocean with yeah. my luck, there'll be a shark down there waiting for it to eat, bite my fucking leg off. Well, there I just, are sharks there, but it's probably not going to bite your leg off. It's going to bite me. I'm good. 
I'll just wave at them and take pictures. I'm just, I can't. My there's, there's this, oh, I'll have to try to find it. There's this one video. It's like a little short video, but a woman's like about to slide off the side of like a yacht or something. And she's like, woo, there I'm going. And there's like a the shark. Mom. There's a shark. Have you seen it? Yes. Because the kid goes like, um, mom, don't freak out. Yes. <laughs> and it's a fucking huge ass shark. And I'm like, <gasps> Yes. No, I had a heart attack for this video I saw yesterday on fucking Facebook and the lady's trimming her hedges and the snake pops out of the hedges and it almost bites her and she flies back. I'm like, it's a real snake. Yes. That's funny. He like, she like is trimming. And then I go read the comments and I'm dying because I'm like, these people are idiots. Well, I would have struck at the woman too if I was about to get decapitated by hedge trimmers. You're in the fucking hedges where you don't fucking belong in her personal hedges and she's just trying to make her house look nice and there's a fucking snake there and she doesn't kill it. Well, no, because it, it's not poisonous. It's not going to hurt her. It's actually doing what it's supposed that to do. That snake would be cut in pieces it's, if Mel had got a hold of it. It's trying to protect her nice okay. roses or whatever from rodents and pests i don't care the snake needs to die <laughs> you know how i feel about this burn the whole house down too <laughs> burn the bushes i would have had a blowtorch but it was like lady gets bit by snake the headline was lady gets bit by snake while trimming hedges and i was like what so i turned it on i was like oh fuck this shit i'm like to my mom i said i am never trimming hedges again nope <laughs> not doing it and i was like what the hell i mean the snake like pops up and she's like what the fuck and it like strikes at her and she falls off this ladder <laughs> So if the snake didn't bite her, she's fucking broken her neck or her leg or arm or something. A, it was a prank with a toy snake I was going to send you because I thought it was funny. My <laughs> kids send shit to me about snakes all the time and they think they're so fucking hilarious. And I'm like, really? So, really? I, I didn't send it to you because Thank you. I remembered how I hate when people send me clown shit. Oh, I found clown stuff to think. I've so thought I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, no. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that to her because she doesn't do that to me. So I was being nice. I didn't. Do I think about it? Yes. But do I do <laughs> Right, no. and laugh to yourself a <laughs> yeah. little bit. That's <laughs> gonna kill me if I send this to her. <laughs> oh, you know what? Just remember because that came up on my screensaver over here. Uh, a band, French Quarter Fest, just ended here. So mm. it's the only festival that is in the French Quarter. Mel, I, we went walking because I'm like, well, let's go see what's what. You know, it's French Quarter Fest. Let's go see what's going on because we had seen some people post some videos and stuff on TikTok mm -hmm. and whatever about you know what's going on French Quarter Fest there was a lot of bands a lot of um uh food vendors right I this was the crowdest I've ever seen Jackson Square like well Jackson Square itself was was a separate event it had like stages and pavilions set up in Jackson Square the little garden wow. you're talking about. yes and you had to like check with a little guy at the gate before you went in because you couldn't bring in any type of outside drinks or anything. right okay um but yeah, I mean, that was like really fucking cool. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Next year, people just bring their chairs and like just sit, you know, and just watch, and watch people because it's beautiful weather. Next year, I'm like, next year, I'm gonna be prepared for this shit because I mean, I was like, I could totally just see me sitting here all day with my, with our dog and with a drink in my hand just and chilling, just watching people, enjoying the weather. Yeah, that's where I, that TikTok I made with the Prince art that the perfect piece of art doesn't exist. It's up a little bit. That's where the what, the TikTok went. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. That's where the TikTok went. Um, oh, is that the other dog? That dog looks weird. Hallie, she's a blue healer. Oh, she has no tail. Do they normally have no tails? She, yeah, she has a heart on her butt. Yeah, no, I didn't know they didn't have tails. 
Yeah, she doesn't have a tail. Oh, okay. I'm like, what is that animal behind you? <laughs> That's Hallie. That's anyway, Hallie Berry. The, um, the now she's on my bed. Hallie, come here. We come were say there. hi. We were there when I made the TikTok with the print, the art with prints. I said, yes, I love that picture. It doesn't exist. Yes. Dearly beloved. <laughs> I was like, yes, I, <laughs> I love that picture. I love prints. So yeah. So that's, it was, it was fun. It was really fun. A lot of people. It was really fun. <laughs> She's Charlie's not here. She's joining in. That's funny. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, that's pretty much my week in a nutshell. Love we know you guys don't listen to just to hear about how our lives are going. That's why you'll listen back and forth. But I guess we'll I tell you a story do. now. Yeah. <laughs> are you ready for my story? Um, do they kill kids? Because I'm just not in that mood today. Maybe. They, they kill Maybe. kids. You're a crazy girl. You're crazy. crazy. Girl. <laughs> you did crack me up for that one. Crazy girl. You're crazy girl. It's crazy. I was dying about that one that says, I'm being marshmallow. Me yeah. too gonna wobble around all day <laughs> she's the one sent you where that girl had baked something and she goes oh, it looks like a butthole yes i was like what the it looked like shit if any of um, you listening because i know you're like all listening like what the fuck if any of you listening find any funny tiktoks send that shit on because we like that we like it we send stuff <laughs> back and forth all day long i send what, stuff to some of our listeners too that are, that are on our tiktoks so i'm like this is some funny funny shit right here and some of them are gross that i sent bell this one this weekend this girl's like tell me whatever from urban dictionary and we're oh like oh my god what? yeah i can't remember it's like a sunflower <laughs> dirty reuben sanchez or, or oh, dirty reuben dirty reuben yeah the dirty reuben because i sent you the sunflower tower or something yes ask so you keep sending me the sh that shit and then daniel sends me that shit too and i'm oh, like because i sent it to him too and he says i'm like bell just sent me this and he's like ha, ha, ha. i'm like it's not that funny <laughs> he thinks it's hilarious i'm like bell just fucking sent me this I'm Did I send you the, the one today about the 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 pussy farts yes <laughs> <laughs> y'all y'all have seen it but you me. want to see it send me a message i'll send it to you That's yeah it's fucking dead. crazy so y'all need to ask um alexa <laughs> what a dirty reuben is and she'll tell you so is it's it pretty alexa nasty. Or is it google i don't know it was one of them yeah. it was one of them i don't remember um but we can get into my story now <laughs> yes, so I'm, I'm talking about a serial killer and yes he kills kids and i'm so sorry right. <laughs> it's just it's really sad <clears throat> wait i gotta tell y'all something no because it's gonna be my next story never mind it's something, but go ahead. What are you going to tell? Okay. You ready? I was going to tell you about the story that I read, but now I'm really, oh. I remembered, oh yeah, I'm going to actually cover it. next. Oh. So it's Dean Coral, C-O-R-L-L. He is also known as the Candyman and the Pied Piper. C-O-R-L-L? C-O-R-L-L. Coral. Coral. That's weird. First name's Dean, D-E-A-N. He's okay. known as the Candyman and the Pied Piper. Candyman. 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 That was a great movie. Yes, it was. Um, so we're just going to talk about him. So he was born December 24th, 1939 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Christmas was, Eve. Yes. He was the first child of Mary Emma Robinson and Arnold Edwin Coral. Oh, I was going to die if you said his dad's <laughs> name was Joseph. <laughs> oh, because his mom's name is Mary. <laughs> and he was born, born on Jesus. Christmas. Carl's father was strict with his children, whereas his mother was markedly, uh, markedly protective of both of her sons. Their marriage was marred by frequent quarreling, and the couple divorced in 1946. 
four years after the birth of their younger son, Stanley Wayne Quirrell. Mary subsequently, I can't talk. Listen, it's late tonight when we're recording. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. And I'm yawning. Uh, um, Sold the family home and relocated to a trailer home in Memphis, Tennessee, where Arnold had been drafted into United States Air Force after the divorce to allow our sons to remain in contact with their father, which was very nice of her. She made sure her kids mm-hmm. had contact with their father. Most people, I wouldn't fucking That's do true, that. yeah. So Dean was a shy, serious kid. He rarely socialized with other children as most serial killers, how mm-hmm. they are. Um, but at the same time, displayed concern for the well-being of others. Hmm. At the age of seven, he suffered an undiagnosed case of um, rheumatic fever, which was not recognized until doctors found Quirrell had a heart murmur in 1950. As a result of this this diagnosis, Quirrell was ordered to avoid PE at school because of the heart murmur. Oh, nice. Well, because of his heart murmur and stuff, you know, you don't know. Cora's parents attended, or excuse me, attempted reconciliation and remarried in 1950, idiots, subsequently <laughs> moving to Pasadena, Texas, a suburb of Houston. We're going to Texas in this one too, by the way. Mm-hmm. I know I talked about Texas last time too. However, the reconciliation was short-lived of, as it happens when you get back with a fucking ex, yeah. it usually doesn't work I out. Know. Why are you redoing stuff? Yeah. In 1953, the couple once again divorced with the mother again retaining custody of her two sons. Their divorce was granted on amicable grounds and both boys maintained regular contact with their father. Following the second divorce, Quirrell's mother married a traveling clock salesman named Jake West. The family moved That's a to real the job. <laughs> traveling clock salesman, yep. Excuse me, do you need help telling the time? You need a clock? Like, you need a clock? I got this. I got this clock. He's like, he's like, a, who does no, that? I just see him knocking on the door. Yo, yo, I got this. The big clock. necklace clock. What's his like name? A, I like, like Flave. Is it Flavor Flav? Dance is your chance. Do the hump. Da-na-na. You know what I'm talking Flavor Flav. Yes. Yeah. Do me, baby. That's all I think about is that stupid clock you were. Oh, do the hump to hump. Okay, anyways, yeah, so he's a traveling clock salesman named Jake West. The family moved to the small town of Vider, Texas, where Quirrell's half-sister, Joyce Janine, was born. Quirrell's mother and stepfather started a small family candy company Hmm. while selling clocks, initially operating from the garage of their home. From the earliest days of the business, Quirrell worked day and night while still attending school. He and his younger brother were responsible for running the candy-making machines. I was like, what is going on? She's eating candy as I'm talking I'm about getting, uh, Yeah, you made me think about it. So wait, let me get my gummy bears out. Okay. Well, yeah, you go just ahead. wait because you may not want candy when we get through with this story. <laughs> so he and his younger I'm brother scared. were responsible for running the candy-making machines and packing the product, which his stepfather sold on his sales route. The route often involved Wes traveling to Houston with much of the product where much of the product was sold. From 1954 to 1958, Coral attended Vider High School. I don't know if it's Vitter or Vider. Vider, and I think I know where it is too. Where he was regarded as a well-behaved student who achieved satisfactory grades, as had been the case in his childhood. Coral was also consi- um, considered somewhat of a loner, although his, he is known to have con- um, occasionally dated girls in his teenage years. In high school, he only his only major interest was the brass band in which he played the trombone. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Coral graduated from Vader High School in the summer of 1958. 
Shortly thereafter, he and his family moved to the northern outskirts of Houston to a suburb so the family candy business could be closer to the city where the majority of the products were sold, which makes sense if you think about it. His family opened a new shop, which they named Pecan Prince, in reference to the brand name of the family product. In 1960, at the request of his mother, Kroll moved to Indiana to live with his widowed grandmother. During this period of time, he formed a close relationship with a local girl. Although he rejected a subsequent marriage proposal, Hold on. she made. About how old is he at this point? I'm just trying to track. Um, so he graduated high school in 1958. Mm -hmm. So we're in 1962 now. So eight. Oh, maybe like early 20s. Yeah, early 20s. Okay, go ahead. Um, he lived in Indiana for almost two years. Um, he, the marriage proposal was reject, rejected. So, um, but he lived in Indiana for almost two years, but returned to Houston in 19. Uh, hold on, this is uh, I lost my place here. Do, 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 do. He moved back to Houston in 1964 to help his family's candy business, okay. which by this date had moved to Houston Heights. So into Houston, he later moved into an apartment for his own above the shop. His mother divorced West in 1963 and opened a new candy business of her own because she knew mm. how to run a business, yeah. which she named Coral Candy Company. Her eldest son was appointed vice president of the new family firm, with this younger brother, Stanley, being appointed secretary treasurer because there's only three of them, so you got to have to <laughs> right? do something. The same year, one of the teenaged male employees of Coral Candy Company complained to Coral's mother that her son had made sexual advances towards him. Mm. So, <laughs> Yes. And this was so, like the early 60s. Yes. So Dean had made advances towards this mm -hmm. male coworker. Yes. Mm -hmm. In response, she fired the teenager. Wow. Instead of fire instead of, you mm -hmm. know, talking to Dean. Dean was drafted into the United States Army on August 10th, 1964, which was Vietnam, correct? I think mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, Vietnam. And assigned to Fort uh Fort Polk, Louisiana for basic training he was oh, later assigned my, my dad always talks about how he did basic training in, in louisiana Polk, louisiana <laughs> wait tell your dad this man yes. oh shit because he thinks he lives and my dad did basic training i want wait i'm gonna have to figure out the timing that my dad did basic training this is 1964 that's probably about the time that my dad did basic yes training. text your dad now mm -hmm. text your dad <laughs> i'm gonna text him now you want me to call him call him so on there in fort polk louisiana for basic training he was later assigned to fort benning georgia to train as a radio repairman before his permanent assignment to fort hood texas where my dad was in well, fort every, hood everybody has got to be a part Did you of hear me? Call. Yes, you're where your dad was in Fort Hood. So he, maybe he's okay. with your dad or my dad. You know, you, you wait, pause because everyone's going on this ride with me because every time I call my dad, <laughs> it's a fucking ride. Let me tell you, hopefully, he fucking answers. He's always out partying or something in the RV park. Hello. Hello. Hey, daddy. Hey, babe. <laughs> hi, daddy. Melanie says hi. Hi, uh, she give her a big hug for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I will when I see her. She's on a video call. We have a question for you. When were you in basic training and where? Okay, it was in, uh, I went in, I think it was in 61 or 62. And it could have been 65, but I just don't remember. Too far back. 
but I was at Fort Polk, Louisiana. I think it was in '62. Did you Did you know a guy named Dean Coral? Hey, Daddy, did you meet anyone by the name of Dean Coral? Dean Coral, that sounds familiar. Uh, no, he's a serial killer. <laughs> Do what? He's Say a serial killer. He's a serial killer recovering. He's a serial killer. What year was he in there? August 10th, 1964. In 1964. 1964. 1964. Yeah. Yes. Was he in the army? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, well, you, may, you may have done basic training with a serial killer, just saying. That's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. I didn't get out of there. I didn't get out of basic training. My basic training was more than nine weeks. It was actually three months. Okay. 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 Another, okay. All right. Well, we're recording our show right now, so I'm gonna go because otherwise I'll be talking to you for 45 minutes. I love you. Okay. Bye. Bye, Daddy. All right. Bye. Bye. Is it that? Yeah, if I didn't shut shit? that down, he would have went. He would have taken us throughout his entire career. Yeah, Belle and I didn't meet till our freshman year of high school. And let me tell you, the way that these strings have been woven to make us connect in some way with her uncle is your great uncle with Bonnie and Clyde, my uh -huh. grandmother with Bonnie mm -hmm. and Clyde that like ran across them both. And then now this is kind of oh, awkward. Dad, yeah, same place. That's my funny. dad was at Fort Hood. Mm -hmm. Your dad was in both. In, we were there in the army. Your dad, he was at the same training place as your dad. Then my dad is in Fort Hood. This is fucking crazy. My dad wasn't with him there, there though. He was in there yeah. in the 70s. So wow. I know for sure. Yeah, he was like 70. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't mean to derail your story. I just thought, it, no, you were like, call him right now. So I did. I love your dad. <laughs> it's interesting. If you, It's just That's so interesting. Would. <laughs> because it's such a small world and people don't realize how small of a world it is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so let me figure out where I was now. Yeah, we just met some people this weekend that, that live here. Mm -hmm. The guys from Rowlett. Oh, what the hell? You tell him, let nation go Eagles. <laughs> I was like, whoa, small world. Did you tell him my best friend's daughter's graduated yeah. from Rowlett High School? <laughs> we talked about all that. His wife had never been to Texas, though. So. Oh. He's been here forever. That's crazy. So um, he went to basic training and, um, in Leesport, Polk, Louisiana. Then he later went to Fort Benning, Georgia to train as a radio repairman before his permanent assignment in Fort Hood, Texas. So according to official military records, Crowell's period of service in the army was unblemished. Hmm. He, however, reportedly hated military service, he, which most people do right. when they go into it. He applied for a hardship discharge on the grounds that he was needed in his family's business. The Army granted his request, and he was given an honorable discharge on June 11th, 1965, after 10 months of service. He only served 10 months, so... Mm -hmm. So reportedly, he divulged to some of his close acquaintances after his release from the army that it was during this period of service that he had his first um, sexual, that he had first sexualized that he was homosexual and had experienced his first homosexual encounters. Other acquaintances noted subtle changes in Kroll's um, mannerisms when um, in the company of teenage males after he had completed his service and returned to Houston, which led them to believe he may have been homosexual. Okay, whatever, mm -hmm. but not a predator on young kids. Right. There are two different things here. 
Um, so following his honorable discharge from the army, he returned to Houston Heights and resumed the position as he held as vice president of the candy company, Quarles Candy Company. Um, his formal, former stepfather had retained ownership of the family's former candy business, Pecan Prince, following his mother's divorce in 1963 because his mother had started her own company, so he kept the old one. Competition between the two firms was fierce. This <laughs> had been the case in his teenage years. Cruel increased the number of hours he devoted to the candy business to satisfy an increasing public demand for his family's product. In 1965, when he was discharged, the Cruel Candy Company relocated to 22nd Street directly across the street from Helms Elementary School. Mm. Cruel was known to give free candy to local children, in particular wow. teenage boys. As a result of this behavior, he earned himself the nickname as the Candyman and the Pied Piper. Hmm. Because if you remember in the Pied Piper, he plays the flute. Right. And the mice all follow him. Like, yeah. got the candy, the kids all follow him. Right. That's just, you know, basically. And it's fucked up. Yes. The company employed a small workforce and he was seen to behave flirtatiously towards several teenage male employees. He is known to have installed a pool table at the rear of the candy factory where employees and local youth that would is so congregate. creepy. It's, it's creepy no matter what your orientation to be. Some older person hitting on some younger person who does not want to be. Yes. Creepy. In 1967, he befriended 12-year-old David Owen Brooks. Then a bespectacled sixth grade student mm-hmm. and one of the many children to whom he gave free candy. Brooks initially became one of the Krull's many youthful close companions, regularly socializing with Krull and various teenage boys who congregated at the rear of the candy factory. He also joined Krull in the regular trips um, he took to South Texas, uh, beaches in the company of various youths, and later commented that Krull was the first adult male who did not mock his appearance. Whenever Brooks told Quirrell he needed cash, Quirrell gave him cash, and the youth began to view Quirrell as a father figure, which they yeah, do because he was yeah. luring him mm-hmm. in narcissistic ways, love bombing him, you know, doing all that shit to get yeah. him lured in, gaslighting. So yeah, upon- what you fall for too much? Don't let no one lure you in anymore. I haven't fallen for shit since I got back from South Carolina. <laughs> Keep it that way. <laughs> You take my phone you and throw it. <laughs> you in <and> check. <laughs> oh, shit. That TikTok was me for sure new. Okay. So upon Coral's urging, a sexual relationship gradually developed between the two, beginning in 1969. Coral paid Brooks in cash or with gifts to allow him to perform fellatio on the youth. Yes. So Brooks' parents were divorced. His father lived in Houston and his mother had relocated to Beaumont, Beaumont, which is another town outside of Houston, for those that don't know, like by Galveston Island, Mm -hmm. a city 85 miles east of Houston. In 1970, when he was 15, Brooks dropped out of Waltrip High School and moved to Beaumont to live with his mother. Whenever he visited his father in Houston, he also visited Coral, who allowed him to stay at his apartment, I'm sure, you Mm -hmm. know, if he wished to. Later the same year, Brooks moved back to Houston. By his own later admission, Brooks began regarding Coral's apartment as his second home. By the time Brooks dropped out of high school, Coral's mother and his half-sister, Joyce, had moved to Colorado after the failure of her third marriage and the closure of Coral Candy Company in June of 1968. Although she often talked to her eldest son on the telephone, his mother never saw him again. Following the closure of the candy company, 
Curl took a job at an um, as an electrician at the Houston Lighting and Power Company, where he tested electrical and relay systems. He worked in this employment until the day of his death. So between 1970 and 1973, Curl is known to have killed a minimum of 28 victims. Oh my God. All of his victims were males aged 13 to 20, the majority of who the majority of whom were um, in their mid-teens. Most victims were abducted from Houston Heights, which was then a low-income neighborhood northwest of downtown Houston. With most abductions, he was assisted by one or both of his teenage accomplices, mm -hmm. David Owen Brooks and Elmer Wayne Henley. Several victims were uh, friends of one of both of Quirrell's accomplices. Others were individuals with whom Quirrell had himself become acquainted prior to their abduction, and murder with the candy company and two other victims billy bach and gregory um, mally winkle were formal employees of coral candy company his victims were usually lured into either one of the two vehicles he owned a ford um it cannot a conaline van so a murder van mm -hmm. or a plymouth gtx or a 1969 Chevy Corvette. I mean, if it was a 69 Chevy Corvette, I would I be know. getting in the car like, too. Come on now. I can, my son Corvette? would be fucking getting in the car. Can I drive the Corvette? Because he loves Corvettes. <laughs> Shit. Of course, little boys are going to love that. Mm -hmm. He is known to have purchased for Brooks in early 1971. This So he bought the Corvette for Brooks. Mm -hmm. So the enticement was typically an offer of a party or a lift, and the victim would be driven to Coral's house. And then at his residence, the youth would be plied with alcohol or other drugs until they passed out, tricked into um, donning handcuffs or simply grabbing by force. They were then stripped naked and tied to either a coral's bed or usually a plywood torture board, which was regularly hung on a wall. Once, <clears throat> once they were times after several days killed by strangulation or shooting with a 22 caliber pistol. Their bodies were then tied to a plastic sheeting and buried in the, uh, one of four places, a rented boat shed, a beach on the Bolivar Peninsula, hmm. a, woodland, a woodland near Lake Sam Rayburn, where Coral's family owned a lakeside a log cabin or a beach in Jefferson County. Sam Rayburn is up, is north of Sam, Lake Sam Rayburn. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's, I think, north of Denton. Yes. Rayburn. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Bolivar Peninsula is where the ferry goes from Galveston. Yeah. So is that like close to, um, oh my God, what's, there's a beach there. Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so in several instances, Coral forces victims to either phone or write to their parents with explanations of their absences in an effort to um, confuse the parents and make them think, you know, that their fears of their son's safety, they were okay. They ran away wrong. Yes. Yeah. He is also known to have retained keepsakes, usually keys from his victims. During the years in which he abducted and murdered his victims, Coral often changed addresses. However, until he moved to Pasadena in the spring of 73, he always lived in or close to Houston Heights. He killed his first victim, an 18-year-old college freshman named Jeffrey Conan, in September 25th, 1970. He vanished while hitchhiking with another student from the University of Texas, hook him horns, to his <laughs> parents' home in Houston. He was dropped off alone on the corner of Westheimer Road and South Boss Road near the uptown area of Houston. Coral likely offered Conan a lift to his home, which Conan uh, um, evidently accepted, at the, um, but at the time, of Conan's disappearance, Coral lived in an apartment on Yorktown Street near the intersection with um, Westheimer Road. Brooks led police to Conan's body on August 10th, 1973. 
The body was buried at High Island Beach. Forensic scientists subsequently um, deduced that the youth had died of asphyxiation caused by manual strangulation and a cloth gag um, that had been placed in his mouth. The body had been found buried beneath, beneath a large boulder covered with a layer of lime, wrapped in plastic, naked and bound. Um, his hands and feet were bound with nylon cord, suggesting he had been violated, which is what a creepy man did. Um, you need to look this guy up. Like he looks like a normal white man, like yeah. most of them do. Like there's no reason for it. So about the time of Conan's murder, Brooks interrupted Curl in the act of sexually assaulting two teenage boys when Curl had stopped to a four post, um, who had strapped to a four poster bed. Curl promised Brooks um, a car in return for his silence. And that's when he bought him that Chevy, the green Chevy Corvette mm -hmm. um, to keep him quiet. Later, um, Curl later told Brooks that he had killed the two youths and offered him $200 to keep his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Well, to yeah. a kid, yeah, they, they're stupid. I mean, they're naive, they're young, they're, they can be bought. Then he mm -hmm. also offered him $200 for any boy he could lure to Coral's apartment. Wow. The equivalent of approximately $1,437 as of 2022 that he got paid. Yeah. December 13, 1970, Brooks lured two 14-year-old Spring Branch youths named James Glass and Danny Yates away from a religious rally. He did the same thing to them. Um, he took an electrical cord with alligator clips attached to each end was buried alongside the Yates body from torture. Six weeks after that, a double murder happened. Um, between March and May 1971, he again abducted and killed three victims. I mean, it's the man was just nonstop, nonstop yeah. murdering, abducting, murdering, and getting fucking away with it. And it's just crazy. As had been the case with parents of other victims of coral, both sets of parents launched a frantic search for their sons, as most of them did, trying to find mm -hmm. out, you know, my yeah. kids wouldn't run away. There's not, there's no reason why they would have ran away. Well, and even once they died, though, they're going to stop writing. Oh, absolutely. You know, you're going to wonder where do they go? They're not just. Yes. Yeah. So in 1971, Brooks introduced um, Henley to Coral, and that's who started helping them go and find boys and stuff and bring them back to the house. Um, and Henley and Brooks were accomplices with all this, you know? So um, Henley later claimed that he had not known of Coral's true intentions towards some of his victims, um, but he thought he would just wanted to be friends with them. In a 2010 interview, he claimed to have attempted to persuade Coral not to assault and kill uh, Aguar, which was another guy, little uh, young kid that he murdered and uh, abducted and murdered. Um, only Coral and Brooks had bound and gagged the youth. However, Coral refused, informing Henley that he had raped, tortured, and killed the previous victim he had assass uh, assisted oh in abducting, God. and that he intended to do the same with um, a, the same kid, Aguirre. It's A-G-U-I-R-R-E. Henley subsequently assisted Coral and Brooks in um, his burial at High Island Beach. I mean, the list is so, I'm not going to go through every single one of these because the yeah. list goes on and on mm -hmm. and on and on and on with all these victims. And it's just, they're horrible. And I just don't want to talk about that because it's really hard to talk about. Um, no known victims were killed between February 1st and June 4th in 1973. He is known to have suffered from a um, hydrocell in early 1973, which may have contributed to this period of inactivity. So I guess water on the brain. 
hydrocells water on the brain. It, it can be water in the testicles too. Okay. Well, there you go. That's what he yeah. had. So in addition, around the time of another murder, Henley had temporarily moved away to Mount Pleasant in an apparent effort to distance himself from Coral. These facts may account for this sudden hole in killings because he didn't have the help that he needed to lure these kids to mm -hmm. where they needed to go. So Henley awoke to find himself lying upon his stomach and Coral snapping handcuffs onto his wrists. Um, and this was in 1973. Um, after the last victim was abducted. So um, his mouth had been taped shut and his ankles had been bound together. Curly and Williams lay beside Henley, which were two other of his victims, securely bound with nylon rope, gagged in adhesive tape and lying face down on the floor. Curly had been stripped naked. Noting Henley had awoken, Coral removed the gag from his mouth. Henley protested in vain against Coral's actions, whereupon Coral re um, reiterated that he was angry with Henley for bringing a girl this time to his house because he had brought a girl as one of the victims, and that he was going to kill all three teenagers after he had assaulted and tortured Curly, initially stating, man, you blew it bringing that girl before shouting, I'm going to kill you all, but first I'm going to have my fun. He wow. then repeatedly kicked Williams in the chest before lifting Henley to his feet, dragging him into the kitchen and placing a 22 caliber pistol against his stomach, threatening to shoot him. Henley calmed Coral, promising to participate in the torture and murder of both Williams and Curly if Coral released him. After approximately 30 minutes of discussion, Coral agreed and untied Henley, then carried Curly and Williams into his bedroom and tied them to opposite sides of his torture bed. Curly on his stomach, Williams on her back. Coral then handed Kinley a hunting knife and ordered him to cut away William's cloth, insisting that while he would rape and kill Curly, Henley would do likewise to Williams. Williams was the female. So mm -hmm. Henley began cutting away William's clothes as Coral undressed and began to assault and torture Curly. Both Curly and Williams had awakened by this point. Can you imagine being waking up and you're bound gag yeah, and you're I'm, tied to a uh, fucking bed i'm wondering uh, did, if this this doesn't lead to one of them getting away then i'm like do not tell me anymore because i don't want to so know. curly began just wait there's more okay. <laughs> curly began writhing and shouting as williams whose gag henley had removed lifted her head and asked henley is this for real to which henley answered yes williams then asked henley are you going to do anything about it henley then asked coral coral whether he might take Williams into another room. Coral ignored him, and Henley then grabbed Coral's pistol, shouting, you've gone far enough, Dean. As Coral chambered off Curly, Henley elaborated, I can't go on any longer. I can't have you kill all my friends. Mm -hmm. Coral approached Henley, saying, kill me, Wayne. Henley stepped back a few paces as Coral continued to advance upon him, shouting, you won't do it. Henley then fired at Coral, hitting him in yes. the forehead. The bullet failed to fully penetrate Coral's skull. Then he continued to launch towards Henley, whereupon the youth fired another two rounds, hitting Coral in the left shoulder. Coral then ran out of the room, hitting the wall in the hallway because his fucking head's been shot. So right? he's kind of like loopy now because, you know, Henley fired up three additional bullets into his lower back and shoulders. Coral slid down the wall in the hallway outside the room where the two other teenagers were bound. 
Cruel died where he fell. His that naked body awesome. lying face down bam, the wall. Bam, bam, bam. I knew you'd like the ending. Yes. Henley would later recall that having shot Cruel, the sole thought on his mind in the moments immediately thereafter was that Cruel would have been proud of the way he had behaved during the confrontation. Adding that oh, he that had is been fucked up. Adding <laughs> that he had been training him to react quickly and forcefully, and that this was exactly what he had done, how he that had trained him. Up. After he had shot Coral, Henley released Curly and Williams from the torture um, the bed, and all three teenagers dressed and discussed what actions they should take. Henley suggested to Curly and Williams that they should simply leave, to which Curly replied, no, we should call the police. Henley agreed and looked up the number for the Pasadena Police Department in Coral's telephone directory. At 8.24 a.m. on August 8, 1973, Henley placed the call to the PPD, Pasadena Police Department. This call was answered with an operator named Velma Lyons. Oh, someone actually answered. In his call, Henley blurted to the operator, y'all better come here right now. I just killed a man. Henley gave the address to the operator of 2020 Lamar Street in Pas Lamar Drive in Pasadena. As Curly, Williams, and Henley waited upon Coral's porch for the police to arrive, Henley mentioned to Curly that he had done that, killed by shooting, four or five times. Hmm. Minutes later, a Pasadena Police Department patrol car arrived to the address 2020 Lamar Drive. The three teenagers were sitting on the front porch outside the house, and the officer noted the 22 caliber pistol on the driveway near the trio. Henley told the officer that he was the individual who had made the call and indicated that Coral's body was inside the house. After um, confiscating the pistol and placing Henley, Williams, and Curly inside the patrol car, the officer entered the bungalow and discovered his body inside the hallway, naked. The officer returned to the car and read Henley the Miranda rights. In response, Henley shouted, I don't care who knows about it. I have to get it off my chest. Curly later told detectives that before the police officer arrived in Lamar Drive, Henley had informed him if it wasn't my friend, if you wasn't my friend, I could have gotten $200 for you. In PPD custody, Henley initially was questioned in relation um, to the killing of Coral. He recounted the whole events of the previous evening and that morning, explaining that he had shot Coral in self-defense to save his friends that were yeah. there that he was about to about fucking torture and murder yeah. anyways. The statements given by Curly and Williams, um, you know, they all corroborated Henley's account and the detective questioning Henley believed he had indeed acted in self-defense and mm -hmm. basically saved a lot more yeah. young men yeah. that he would have done this to had he not been murdered. Hi, Better. Oh. When questioning regarded his claim that as Curl had threatened him that morning, he had shouted that he had killed several boys. Henley explained that for almost three years, he and Brooks had helped um, procure teenage boys and told him the whole story of everything that had happened, you know, in the years following. They were very skeptical of his claims, assuming the whole homicide of the case was that of Coral, which had um, ascribed for being the result of drug-fueled, just kids being just right, yeah. drugs, mm -hmm. you know, and that some of it had been made up. Um, but after he led them to some of the bodies and stuff that were um, there, he 
they believed it and they did of course they searched the house and stuff so the police uh, found the plywood torture board measuring eight by three feet with handcuffs attached to nylon rope in two corners they found nylon ropes to um other two also found his address at his address were large hunting knives rolls of clear plastic Damn. bags um to cover the floor a portable radio rigged to a pair of dry cells to give increased volume an electric motor with loose wires attached eight pairs of handcuffs a number of dildos thin glass tubes and links of rope Damn. so Corolla's ford um econoline you know, band, circumstance it might be a good party but yeah mm-hmm. coral's part ford um econoline van was parked in the driveway conveyed a similar impression and the rear windows of the van were sealed by opaque blue cart curtains which is your first sign <laughs> In the rear of the vehicle, police found a coil of rope, a swatch of um, beige rug covered in soil stains, because I'm sure people were pissing yeah. and shitting themselves, scared to death, um, in a wooden crate with air holes drilled in the sides that he would put his victims yeah. in. The pegboard walls inside the rear of the van were rigged with several rings and hooks. Another wooden crate with air holes uh, drilled the sides was found in Coral's backyard. Inside the crate were several strands of human hair. God. So... They basically agreed to accompany police to Kroll's boat shed in southern Houston, where they did find several bodies. Um, two prison trustees began digging through the soft, crushed shell earth of the boat shed and soon uncovered the body of young, blonde-haired teenage boys lying on the side, encased in clear plastic. Um, all the victims, and then they found a bunch of the other victims. They took them to them, you know, and they were tied, yeah. bounded, and stuff. Um, all the victims found had been sodomized and were victims found... Um, were evidence of sexual torture pubic hairs have been plucked out genitals have been chewed objects have been inserted into their rectums and glass rods have been inserted into their urethras and smashed cloth made into their penis hole yeah no glass and then smashed can you imagine oh welcome to what a mammogram feels like i mean it hurts like i can't imagine what these poor kids went their kids what they went through um so cloth rags had also been inserted into the victim's uh, mouse of course to cover up the screams um accompanied by his father brooks pre- uh, presented himself to hpd houston pd um, headquarters on the evening of august 8th gave a statement in which he denied any participation in the murders because he was scared you know yeah. and basically he was scared to die yeah, by this man's that, hand yeah. had he not participated in all, all of this um, he gave a statement which he denied any participation in the murders, but admitted to having known that Coral had raped and killed many times. Mm-hmm. So in the morning of August 9th, Henley gave a full written statement detailing his and Brooks' involvement with the, all the abduction and murders of all the kids. The police found a second plywood torture board, rolls of plastic sheeting shovels, and a sack of life in the log cabin, and then also found more bodies. They found nine additional bodies in the boat shed mm. on August 9th. I mean, this was, they had people all at the same time digging in all these places trying to find all this evidence. Brooks gave a full confession on the evening of August 9th, admitting to uh, being present at several killings and assisted in several um, murders. Um, so we'll go to the trial. I'm not going to go through all this other stuff because it's yeah. a lot. Um, it's, it's, so Elmer Wayne Henley happened. and David Owen Brooks were tried separately for their roles in the murders. Henley is brought to trial in San Antonio on July 1st, 1974, charged with six murders. 
committed between March of 1972 and July of 73, the prosecution called dozens of witnesses, including Curley and um, Rittinger. Rittinger testified that at Coral's home, he was tied to a torture board and assaulted repeatedly by Coral um, before he was released. I just can't imagine having to go through all this again, yeah. what you went through. Um, then on July, uh, let me find this really fast. I can tell you the jury deliberated 92 minutes before finding Henley guilty of all six murders <laughs> wow. for which he was tried the following day, July 16th, formal prosecutors to sentence Henley for the six guilty verdicts began on August 8th, judge Preston Bell ordered that Henley serve each 99 year sentence. Consequently that he was um, given, um, Brooks was brought to trial on February 27th, Wait, consecutively or concurrently. I'm sorry, six concurrent 99 year terms. Concurrent. Sorry. Okay. Um, and then Brooks was brought to trial on February 27th, 1975. He was indicted for four murders committed between the 70 and 73. He was brought to trial charged only with the June 73 murder of 15 year old William Ray Lawrence. Brooks defense attorney Jim Skelton argued that his client had not committed any murders. But what's sad is that and his, his trial lasted a week, but what's sad is Henley, Brooks, Henley wouldn't have been even involved in this shit if Brooks hadn't have brought him in. Yeah. You know, and then Brooks got the lesser sentence. Yeah. Sorry, I had to take a drink, guys. Probably heard that. Um, so his trial lasted a week. And the jury deliberated for just 90 minutes before they reached a verdict. He was found guilty of Lawrence's murder on March 4th, 1975, and sentenced to life in prison. Henley is serving his life sentence at the Mark W. Michael Unit, Anderson County, Texas. Successive parole um, applications dating from July of 80 have been denied. He is next eligible for, for parole in October of 2025. Hmm. So which is coming up in yeah. you know three years. Brooks served his life sentence at the Terrell Unit near um Rosherin, Texas. He died of COVID-19 related complications oh. at a Gowson hospital <laughs> on May 28th, 2020 at the age of 65. Yeah. So there, there, him and his quarrel and his accomplices are known to have killed a minimum of 28 teenagers and young men between September of 70 and August of 73. So Damn. there's not a real number of true victims. Some of these kids were just beautiful children. It's just really yeah. sad. So that's my story about the candy man yeah, and the pie piper. I know it's a little bit longer, but yeah, it was story. so like detailed. Yeah. When I found this, it's like we have not covered this man. This needs to be talked great. about. Yeah. So don't take candy from strangers. Right. <laughs> That's your lesson from Gotham Beach today. Don't, don't kill people. And go to Patreon and become a patron. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Go to Instagram, Facebook, Hail to High Priest Robert. Hail thank you guys for Robert. all of, yes. Thank you guys for all of your fucking support. We just appreciate it. Happy birthday, happy Denzel. Happy birthday, Denzel. Yes, happy, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to oh, you. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> okay, I won't do it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Y'all come back, back now. now. You're here. You're here. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Okay. Right.